Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, media trainer and editor of veganbusinessmedia.com, the multimedia blog providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Guacamo Marchese, the co-founder with his partner Danny Taylor of Vegan Proteins, an online store selling a range of vegan supplements. The couple also co-founded Plant Built, a non-profit organisation of strength-based vegan athletes who compete together to raise awareness of vegan living as well as raise funds to help farm animal sanctuaries. A fitness aficionado for over 20 years, Guacamo has been vegan for more than 10 of those. He actively competes in bodybuilding and powerlifting and holds a certificate in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University. In addition to running the Vegan Proteins online store, he also coaches clients online. This interview is one that I did for my book, Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. In this interview, Guacamo discusses the signature strategy he and Danny use to provide highly personalised customer service to differentiate themselves from bigger brands, embracing being a small or medium-sized business and not forcing yourself into a corporate model of massive fast growth, the importance of trusting yourself amid huge uncertainty when starting and running a business, strategies for working successfully with your partner in a home-based business, and much more. Here's the interview with Guacamo Marchese of Vegan Proteins. What's your reasons behind, uh, you know, running um, a vegan business? What's your driver, your your purpose, if you like, for, for doing this? What keeps you going? <laughs> so um, I guess the best way to, to talk about that would be to and how the business started. And uh, that w- it would start as a fundraiser. So uh, a friend of mine had the domain Vegan Proteins, and we needed to raise money to make a documentary on uh, body, uh, vegan bodybuilders. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Robert Cheek, uh, approached myself and another vegan bodybuilder, wanted to, to get us to compete together at once at the same venue, thought that it would make a powerful statement instead of, because, you know, just to basically connect us all and being at the same venue, hopefully it would make more of an impact on people instead of just being the only vegan out there competing against, uh, you know, others. Um, the documentary never panned out, um, but we wound up keeping, keeping the business going and, um, just, you know, I, I enjoyed it and I felt like I could do something with it. So we just kept working at it. Um, long story short, um, I went from me being part-time to Danny and I, uh, being full-time and, uh, it's kind of come full circle with, with its purpose because, Excuse me, just eight. Sorry. Um, we also uh, organized and and founded uh, Plant Built about two and a half years ago. And with that, are you familiar with with uh, our team already? Plant Built with the term Plant Built, or yeah, or the team, the organization. Oh, the team. No. So so okay. So that's because that's actually a major part of what we do. Also, we. We run a 501c3 nonprofit uh, team of vegan strength, strength-based athletes, and we wound up doing it on a much larger scale than, than we had, could have ever imagined. 
2013, we competed together, 15 of us. There were 10% of us. We took home 40% of the trophies at the same venue. And then last year, and that was in bodybuilders only, stage athletes. So bodybuilders, figure competitors, etc. cetera. Uh, last year, in, uh, this year, I should say, this past summer, there were around 35 of us. And now we're a multi-sport team. So we had CrossFitters, powerlifters, and bodybuilders. And um, you're, are you in Australia or? Sydney, Australia, Sydney. yeah. And we actually have, a, are you familiar with Evolve Generation? The Evolve Generation? There's a, a, another team of vegan strength-based athletes in Australia. Uh, well, most of them are in Australia. One is in New Zealand, and they're called uh, Team Evolved. Oh, okay. I know some in Melbourne. I'm not sure if it's the same guys. Well, I know there's they, some, yeah. yeah. A guy called Noah, I think, is one of them. Oh. Uh, quite, quite well known. Um, maybe not. I don't know if that's him, but maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um well, well anyway um there next year this coming year um in june of 2015 they'll be they'll be competing with us so we're having about uh i think there's gonna be like about eight australian competitors flying out they're our sister team basically we we coordinated together um so we have competitors from all over the world um converging at one venue all all strength-based athletes um and i guess long story short the original intention was a fundraiser to, you know, we, we kept it going. We kept it alive. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a business. We, you know, it pays our bills and, um, you know, our basic expenses, but we also funnel a, a huge amount of our, um, of our, uh, proceeds to our nonprofit. And we also spend a great deal of time running our nonprofit. So it's kind of nice the way everything worked out like that, um, you know, over time. Explain to me, so how did it work? So you've got the plantbuilt.com, the, the website, and that side of it, and then you've got vegan proteins, and now they're, they're both your businesses, and they work in tandem. Is that right? Yes. Cool. Okay. Okay, great. And how long did you start them at the same time, or did one start before the other? One started before the other. Vegan protein started in um, 2000, early 2009, and Plantbuilt right. started in late 2012. Got it. Okay, cool. That's what I thought because I thought the vegan proteins one had started first because I'm keen to interview people who have had their businesses for at least five years, which is why I thought, yeah, the vegan proteins came in there. So so on that topic of the vegan protein, some of the business owners I've spoke to that produce, you know, certain products, whether it's food or, or other stuff that it involves raw materials, sometimes they say that one of the challenge is, is that because they're vegan or they might be organic, sustainable, they're more expensive. And I'm curious whether you've come across that challenge and if so how you get over that to kind of stay competitive and and still attract clients well um the thing of it is we we really don't encounter i mean i i know of those struggles from the vendors that we work with uh we're we're a retail store so we don't actually uh make our own products um we just don't have the the capital to invest in anything like that um so is it an online store is it online mostly you post out Products, got it. Okay, all right, cool, fantastic. So, you, as you mentioned, running a business, um, it can have there's quite a lot of demands on a business owner's time, um, and we, you know, in, as well as running the business itself, and in your case, you know, sending out the products, organizing the events, and now there's social media to take into account. How do you cope with some business owners? Say that they feel a sense of overwhelm, particularly when they're starting out, they're kind of doing everything. How do you cope with that? And what advice would you give to other people <laughs> starting out their business? Do you have any advice for me? Because I'm all ears. 
Um, it's, uh, I think it's with social media in general, whether you're a business owner or not, um, it's kind of hard to unplug these days. It was a lot easier back in the day to unplug. And I would imagine if I didn't run a business, I'd, I'd probably still be, I'd probably still be able to do that. Although it would be a, a, quite harder now than it used to be. Cause that's pretty much the way everyone interacts. I mean, you know, it used to be, well, instead of call text, but now it's like everyone just communicates via social media. So obviously running an online only business, um, it's kind of crucial for us to, to be on it. And sometimes we, you know, we'll be even, you know, in, in bed basically answering people's inquiries and whatnot or just connecting with people and continuing to try to post relevant content. I, I don't really have, I mean, gee, I guess, do I have any, I'm, I'm, I have the questions in front of me too right now, so I'm, how do I cope with this? Uh, I, I, try to, I try to prioritize family as much as possible and just, I, I try my best to just keep, keep my life balanced and not too one-sided. I mean, I'm kind of an admitted workaholic, and I feel like um, I kind of have to be in many ways, being self-employed and, and building this business from the ground up, um, you know, without any investors to boot. We didn't start with any capital. We just started with a credit charge card, basically, um, and we don't have any capital right now. Um, so, but... Um, yeah, I guess I guess it's I guess you just learn how to to be better as good as you can with time management, set office hours, which is also tough because right. So you know we work and live out of the same location, so that 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 in and of itself is challenging. Um, but yeah, we try to set office hours. We try to set 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 specific days like Sunday, for example, where where we're just going to make sure that we don't do anything for at least half a day, and then try to take a day off during the week. It doesn't always pan out, but just try our best to separate work, you know, work and personal. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. No, that's great. In terms of then starting up then, what were some of your key challenges? I'm guessing you've mentioned that, you know, you didn't have investors, so maybe that, that was one of the challenges of that, just getting things off the ground. What were your key challenges when you first started out, and how have you overcome them in the, the time you've been going, particularly, I suppose, with vegan protein? Uh, key, key challenges starting up the business. Um, hmm. Finding the time. You know, I mean, how how do you invest your time and energy into something that that isn't producing income for you? How how are you gonna pay your rent? How are you gonna put food on the table? How are you gonna do anything? So the challenge, the key challenge was, well, you know what. How am I going to transition into doing this? Uh, so I so I tried to just I wound up working overtime, you know, full time plus overtime, you know, with my nine to five, and um, and then after that, finding the time to basically do the you know to run this run this business and find a way to grow it. Uh, one of the first things that we really focused on was building our social media platforms, and and we found that that really helped. And also, uh, we tried to separate ourselves by providing. Um, Really personal customer service. So we're we're known for putting a handwritten note in every single box, which we still do to this date. We're known for hand decorating boxes, which we still do to this date, and uh, and just being you know being friendly, being less about less businessy and more you know putting more uh, of a human 
um, personality into a customer service. And I, and I feel like that kind of, it, you know, people see that and like, oh, wow, this person actually cares about us and they want to supporting us, even though we're, <clears throat> you know, obviously we're not, you know, we're not an Amazon. We can't compete with that. Um, mm. So we have to do something to separate us. And we do all, I mean, I, I, we thought about doing stuff at a fulfillment center and maybe it would help us out more, but we really, we, we really found to, to, we really love the customer service. We love how it impacts other people. And, and I don't see why we wouldn't continue to do things in house. It's a little harder and not as uh, cost effective, but our, our goal is to not, we're not trying to be some giant business that sells, that sells itself. Like, you know, we're not working on the corporate business model. We, we're happy with being a small size business and maybe one day being a mid-sized business. And, um, and that's why we like doing everything in house. We like to put a smile on people's faces and be as personal as possible. I love that. You answered about three questions, there, which is brilliant. I love that, the way you differentiated from others. And I think that's important. And the fact that you acknowledge that, you know, you are quite happy being a small and then maybe a mid-sized business. Cause I think sometimes, you know, some business owners, they kind of start out and they want to grow really, really quickly and become big really quickly. And I think it's actually really nice to actually to be on it because they think that's what they should do. That's what you're supposed to do in business. Whereas I think it's actually really great that, you know, you can acknowledge, well, okay, I'm happy with this. And then, you know, I might want to go to this. Um, that's Great. So thank you for, for sharing that. That's that's fantastic. Um, so mindset. Let's talk a bit about the mindset side of things. You've been in business for five years with vegan proteins and uh, a couple of years with, with plant built. So what would you say? Like a lot of business owners say that being in business for yourself is the biggest and the fastest effective form of personal development because it forces you to grow as a person. Um, what would you say are the key qualities that a person needs in order to be able to stay the course and run their own business? Uh, uh, trust. You have to trust in yourself and what you're doing because there is a level of uncertainty when um, – you know, when, when you're involved in a, a growing business and um, you have to just know that there's no right or wrong way to make a move. There's no right or wrong time to make a move. And, and um, yeah, I mean, you just got, you really get, you really have to trust in that and not be, you know, not fear it. Oh, you know, I could have done this. It's not, it's not linear at all. Um, and that's kind of the beauty in it, you know. It's it, everything you, everything you put in, you you get out, and it's and it and as much as you want things to happen a certain way, it, it's still it's still very unpredictable how, how the outcome of of you know the investment of your time, your energy, your resources, um, and how you apply them to your business. The outcome is still always somewhat unpredictable, um, and you got to roll with those punches. Sometimes they're not what you looked for, but then you can kind of, you know, look at the aftermath and say, oh, you know, I can, maybe this wasn't what my original intention was, but, oh, look what just happened, you know, like, um, like plant built, for example, I, we never, I mean, it just kind of came, it just kind of came together, it wasn't what we intended, but it just happened, and sometimes you have to embrace those moments, and, and, um, yeah, I mean it's kind of, it's it's nice. I I really I really enjoy that aspect of running a business. The fact that that the you know there's the road <laughs> no matter what you plan on happening there's always going to be something that that 
sort of surprises you, and then it, it can turn into something really, really nice. So fantastic, fantastic, great to be open to that for sure. For sure. Have you learned anything about yourself through running your business that you perhaps didn't realize that you had, like qualities or that you had to dig deep that you didn't really know you had? Um, I def. I mean, I definitely, you know, it. Uh, gee, hmm. I mean, I yeah. I mean, it, confidence in confidence in what what I do. I suppose maybe. Um, I guess that anything that you you can dream, you know, it can it can be possible. Basically. A lot of times people have desires and wants and, and needs and dreams and and they sort of just pass them by. I mean, I at least speaking for myself, you know. I've you know, I've I've had aspirations in the past and I've just kind of glossed over them and being like, "Well, this isn't possible. That's not what life and that's that's just not the way it was it was going to go down." Um but now I don't have that mindset anymore. I I don't now I feel like whatever I whatever it is that I I want, if I if I, I put my heart out there and I go for it, that that it is possible, um, and and also that um, you know you're never in it alone as much as you might think. It's uh it's amazing how people come together when there's a common goal and a common belief. Um, even as a business owner, you might think to yourself, well, hey, you know, I'm. It's this is our business, Danny and I. This you know we're doing this on our own, and um, but you'd be surprised how many people are just wholly supportive of seeing your business succeed. And it becomes more. It's not about a bottom line. See, that's what surprises me is that every time I talk to other uh, business-minded folks, it's more about a, a balance. You know, more about profit and loss and about making money. And I don't get it. And it's really I don't get it at all. I'm not. If I wanted to do that, I would just work for a, a bank, I guess. I just have no desire in that, you know. Um, but I feel like every time I talk to another person who's who's bit, whether they're involved in their own business or whether they're thinking about it, either or, it's one and the same. It's always about how much money you can make, how fast you can make it, and um, and that being the number one goal. And to me. That is never the number. I mean, it's up there. It's priority because you can't survive without that. But it's not, not ever the goal, not the destination. Um, so, so yeah, I like I like that aspect of it. Um, right, I like that you've come to that for sure. What do you do to kind of ensure? Because you sound like you're quite, you know, self-aware and you 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 know, kind of grown through 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 doing this. Um, and, and yeah, stepped out of your comfort zone and got that belief and that passion, which is fantastic. Well, do you use any kind of steps or strategies or techniques to kind of keep yourself, your, you know, kind of strong emotionally um, uh, and mentally? Like, I don't know, meditation, coaching, any self-help kind of courses or reading, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I definitely I, I try to keep a journal whenever I can. And uh, I like to look at my weaknesses and my strengths. Um, you know, I'll list them from like one to 10 and I'll ask someone objectively to, well, my fiance is usually, she, she spends the most time with me. So I, I let her look at them and, and analyze them for me and say, Hey, this is, you know, how, how strong or, or weak is this part of me? Um, because yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, you have to know your, 
you have to know your strengths and you have to know your your weaknesses if you're going to be able to to um to work well with others um you know you have to know when when it's time for you to pull the trigger and do something and and take the lead and you have to know when it's time to let someone else take the lead and uh sometimes it can be hard to let go of that control because you feel like oh well this is your baby this is what this is what you've put out there so how can i how can anyone else see it but me how can anyone else see my vision but but you'd be surprised and that's that's something that has taught me actually is to be able to not only be a, a leader i never thought i'd be a leader at all um i never thought i'd be a team captain for for a, a team of 35 athletes i think what what makes me so special i'm not you know i'm not a great public speaker um i'm not a, not particularly the best communicator um not not the best listener <laughs> um but I'm not afraid to put myself out there either, and uh, and I definitely have a lot of heart when, when I do things. So, you know, <clears throat> it, it gave me the confidence to sort of take charge and, and become a leader. And, and other and others saw that and and said, "Hey, you know, this this makes sense. Let's go with it." But at other times, you know, it's also a, it's also taught me to 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 be led basically, um, not only by by my coworkers but by friends, by acquaintances. A lot of times it's good to just sit back and let someone else take charge when you see that they, they're on a roll with, with an idea or they just know how to do something better than you. Just because you're doing running your own business doesn't mean you know how to do it better than others. Um, so, so, yeah, leading and, and knowing, and knowing uh, allowing others to, to lead you, basically. That's something that's taught me and something I, I try, to, try to apply to what I do. Right, cool. Um, you know, when you first started out, um, what expert help did you did you employ any kind of expert help? So I'm thinking along the lines of I don't know, a business coach or a marketing person or a PR person. Did you hire any external help at all? No, you done it all yourself. Cool, nice, very nice. Okay, that's cool. And um, do you have any staff at the moment, or is it mainly just you as co-owners of the business that do everything? Uh. We had my father-in-law working for a while. He's not doing so well. Um, so um, my sister-in-law has taken over. So she helps us with uh, hand decorating the boxes, making the notes, doing a lot of the administrative stuff, and okay. um, and and doing orders and whatnot. So it's us. It's us three at the moment. We do have uh, friends who help us out with promoting on social media. It's sort of like a, you know, we we trade. You know, we help them out. Like we have a couple friends who, who we, because uh, we offer online personal training, we train them for free and in turn they help promote us. So stuff like that. You become really savvy about bartering basically for, for other people for their time. Because when you don't have money, um, you can't afford to hire a, a PR or marketing professional or an advertising or, or to pay for, you can't afford any of that. So you just learn how to, how to um, help others and have them help you with, with things because we, so let's face it, you know, we all get very busy as adults and we, none of us have the time. But when you find something that someone else really wants and vice versa, you find a way to fit that into your schedule. So That's great. That's really, really good advice, I think, particularly when you're, as you say, in the beginning and you're bootstrapping it. That's really, really uh, good. Instead of there, just trying to find a load of money or, you know, getting credit and buying that is to do that bartering system, I think. And I think um, 
Lee Chantel um, is a big fan of that as well. I think she, she introduced us to us. That's great. Um, what would your advice be um, to, so for those people who haven't yet started their business, they're working their nine to five or their, their day job, whatever, and uh, but they, they're looking to start their own business, what would you say are the key things they need to take into account before making that jump from employed to self-employed? Make sure that whatever it is that you're doing, that that you absolutely that it's something that you absolutely love and that you have and that you have um, no problem with investing a, a great deal of, of your energy into. Um, if money is your your main goal and objective, well then don't. I, I wouldn't suggest doing it. Maybe work for a corporation and uh, you know and be be an executive and um, that's a good way to extrapolate money out of the system. If you're trying to be self-employed, money should not be the goal. It should be the, the service that you're providing or the idea uh, that you're creating that, that, you, want to, um, that you want to share with, with others. Um, so that, that would be my advice. That would be a big thing for me. Lo- yeah, enjoy the concept. Whatever it is, just don't. It shouldn't be. At least that's my I, – I, I would imagine people start businesses based on you know making lots of money and that being their main goal. And I'm sure they do very well, but – it's not not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more about the passion side, you know, the, having passion for what I do, basically, and um, having purpose behind what I do. Um, you know, time time is is limited, so you might as well make the most of it, and you know, make a positive impact. For us, we get to. I mean, that's that's big, right? I mean, we get to we get to. Um, we get to promote veganism. We get to lead by example. We get to provide resources for others. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome. I'm I'm so thankful for that. I I can't think of anything I'd rather be doing ever um, than than showing others what what's possible through a compassionate lifestyle. Um, you know, by trying my best to be a, a better athlete um, and a good representative, and then also you know provide people with, with, uh, vegan supplements and alternatives and show them, you know, not just carrying my story because it's vegan, there's demand for it, but for the ethical side of it and being a vegan branded business, basically, I think it makes all the difference. Yeah, for sure. And that leads nicely into that next question is around the, t- the use of the word vegan um, in your marketing. Uh, and obviously, you're you're very much all about that. You know, you use the word because some businesses, you know, they say, oh, well, we don't want to scare people away. So, you know, we don't really use the V word. Um, we might use plant based or plant powder and all the rest of it. You're very much, as you said, a vegan branded business. Tell me a bit about your decision to go down that route rather than, you know, kind of, you know, do the more uh, not actually using the word, but to draw more people um i guess just nothing like it nothing like uh like it existed and i don't know i wasn't afraid of it i mean i there's been i I don't know (laughs) it just it just felt right to me i why why wouldn't i (laughs) really um i guess (laughs) Do you know that are most of your clients, if you know this, are most of them vegan already or are some of them not? Uh, I'm just kind of curious as to who your main market is. Is it the vegan community, people who are vegan already, or is it that greater kind of uh, athlete world that are interested in this, if you know that? 
Yeah, we, we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the vegan community is, is a large part of our market, but we get a lot of people that are, that are veg curious that come to us or a lot of people that, that are looking for, to add more nutrition into their, uh, their diet or, you know, start making healthier choices. Uh, maybe they're not even interested in, in going vegetarian or vegan, but um, they can see that clearly there's, you know, healthier options and they want to start incorporating them in, into their, their um, daily routine. So we get a lot of people like that, actually. That's, see, that's the, the, the nice thing about using the word vegan in your branding is that people that are actually looking into it, um, you know, there's something out there for them. There, there's, there's information and there's, you know, it's like, oh, okay, there's nothing wrong with this. Look, I mean, this is, this is what's, I mean, there's a whole entire uh, store. I mean, so I, I like, I like the fact that it's, that it's, you know, we're open and, and outward about um, being a vegan business. Cool. Cool. You mentioned um, social media, and that was one of the first things you did was set up your social media platforms. So I'm assuming that's one of your key ways of marketing. Um, what uh, particular platforms, uh, what are you most active on, and what are the most successful in terms of your raising awareness of your brand and generating sales? Currently? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I would say Instagram currently right now, Instagram is pretty, pretty popular for us. Okay. Instagram is doing really well. Um, I find out of all the social media platforms, Instagram seems to be one of the most positive ones. YouTube being one of the most negative ones. And then everything <laughs> else in between is, is where the most of the traffic is. Uh, like Facebook, for example, and Twitter. Um, obviously Facebook is a lot more, uh, integrated within people's lives and Twitter's more about just, it's almost kind of spammy sometimes. Um, but they're, they're, those are, I think those are two of the most heavily trafficked. So it helps to have that type of volume as far as the amount of people that you can reach. And we definitely do post. Um, but as you know, with like Facebook, it's just very hard to reach people. Um, yeah. so believe it or not, I mean, it's easier for us to reach out to people on Facebook with our personal lives. More so than our our fan page, our fan page is more of just something that we yeah. build. That's it's more of like a um, you know it's more of like a storefront than a way to interact with people. Um, whereas our our personal Facebook accounts, uh, that's where people you know people see what we're doing and they say, oh, you know, I like what they're doing. Oh, and they run a store. I want to go support them. So that's yeah. how we actually get 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 through social medias. Um, not not by not by how we are as a store, but how we are as, as people and, right. um, and as individuals. The people behind the brand, because that's our whole thing, isn't it, about we kind of, we are our brand in, in some ways. We're, we're representative of that, so that's great. No, that's a good way of using it. Do you um, use, like, do you proactively go after media coverage? I don't mean paid advertising. I mean editorial coverage in, in some ways. Like, is that part of your marketing strategy? Is it something you've proactively gone after at all? Do, do you mean like um, getting articles published and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, being featured in the media, on the radio, on the TV, um, featured in print or online articles, yeah. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. I wish we had more time for it. I think it's incredibly, incredibly valuable um, to have those, those what do they call it, like backlinks on Google where people, yeah. is that something like that, whatever. Um, but, you know, I think it's incredibly valuable um, to, to have to – 
to reach out to, to editorials, or other media outlets, um, like this, for example. Um, blogs. I, I'm a big fan of blogs. I feel like if, if uh, we like to – we were doing it for a while at a time. It was just, you know, too many – stretch too thin at the moment. But, um, you know, like uh, we would do like uh, giveaways and review product reviews um, with, with other bloggers or, like or interviews um, – for ourselves as, as vegan bodybuilders with other bloggers. And then that would obviously link back to our store. I think blogging is, is a pretty easy, pretty easy way to, to cross promote um, yeah. others on the internet and, and a, a way that doesn't um, cost money. I think that's, that's a, a, a thing, a key thing to think about the ways that you can grow your business without spending money because, because no matter what, you're going to spend more money than you have when you're growing into something it's just inevitable. Um, so you might as well find as many different ways to, to, to uh, get yourself out there without spending money as possible. And, and yeah, media outlets online are, are big for that. That's very good advice. Very good advice. Just on the terms of being um, an online business, what um, like do you service majority a local market or a national market or international in terms of your clientele or all of them? We have uh, most of our market is domestic. Shipping rates tend to get uh, cost pricey, and um, internationally. But we do have customers around the world, uh, and we will ship anywhere. And you know, we've shipped pretty much everywhere. Or I mean, I you know, I don't keep track of it, but so many different countries. Uh, I've noticed when I look at our um, analytics once in a great while, I notice that there's a fair amount of interest. Uh, in the vegan market um, in Australia, that would be the next biggest one outside of here where we have uh, people that take interest in ordering from us. I imagine a lot of it also has to do with the fact that stuff is expensive there because it's all being um, imported, right? Yeah. So that might have yeah. some that might have something to do with it. But but no, I think there's a pretty big interest in Australia, um, you know, in eating plant based and and going vegan. Uh, then the next one would be uh, Great Britain. Right, I was going to um, ask about. Yeah, okay. that, and, and then it's kind of Canada. Those are the next three, and outside of there, it's kind of spread thin. Got um, it. And we're we actually are going we are looking to 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 get better shipping rates right now, actually, as we speak, and and fix the way our website uh, checks people out because right now it's kind of glitchy, and that that's why we don't have a lot of international customers. But we are going to target target more people outside of the United States in, in the next six months or so. Cool. And you mentioned um, earlier that uh, you know you were looking, you're quite happy running a small business, home-based business at the moment. Maybe moving to a medium-sized business. Do you? What are your thoughts on having a physical premises other than your home? Is that something that you may look to do, or you're actually you're, it works for you running the online-only business? You mean a physical storefront to bring in people to come? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if there was a demand for it where I lived, I'd say, sure, why not? I think it would be really cool and really, really neat, actually. But where we live, there's just less, there's barely any demand. I mean, we're the only vegans I could think of within miles and miles and miles of us. At least 20, 30 miles. So, right. okay. um, you know what? Another uh, good, good piece of advice that, that's um, served us well um, for, for uh, promoting ourselves is uh, um, vegan um, expos, uh, veg fests. Oh, okay. yeah. like there's one coming up, right? In uh, 
Where is it? Is it Sydney or Melbourne? There's one coming up next month. Um, There's a couple, actually. There's the Cruelty Free Festival, which is uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. That's quite a big one. And I think the Melbourne one, I think, is in November. Yeah. Um, And the British have had theirs um, in London. They've had theirs in September. So it's around about this time, September, October, November. tends to be quite a cluster. Yeah. Like I know um, Robert's flying out on November 8th to go to the one in Melbourne, I believe. Okay, right. He's speaking there, for example. So, uh, so yeah, we, that is, that is one, something we did from the very start actually to get ourselves out there was we started going to different, uh, the veg fest, vegetarian festivals. And that is a great, that is a great way to have a physical storefront without having a physical storefront because you get anywhere from, you know, 2000 to 30,000 attendees that you meet over a one to two day period. And, a large part of them are vegan and the rest of them are veg curious. And it's sort of, it's sort of like saying, Hey, look, you know, I'm a part of this community and I'm showing and I'm meeting you face to face and, and people, re- I mean, that's, that's awesome branding right there. Just showing, showing that you want to be out within the community, that you want to be there for others who are looking to get into the lifestyle, that you want to be a resource for other vegans. Um, I don't, I think it's indispensable. We started doing it from day one and, and we haven't stopped every single year. The traveling thing can get a bit uh, can get a bit stressful, but it's well well worth it. Um, well worth it. And what we do to, to, to make up for the fact that we don't have a, a budget to travel with is that we sell our products there. So people get the products when they get there. We give them a, a coupon so they can find us next time because they're not actually our products. Remember, um, anyone is finding us in the future. And then and then also when we go to these shows, we uh, we uh, invite people to, to share their email with us. And then we have, you know, we have a newsletter that we send out to a subscriber list, which I think is another very, very, very valuable tool is having a subscriber list and finding out how to, how to grow yours. For us, it's yeah. we do like a raffle and we say, Hey, you know, we're giving away a free container of protein Enter the raffle here, you know, by entering the raffle, you're providing your email information and we'll, we'll be contacting you. So that was Guacamo Marchese from Vegan Proteins. You can find out more at veganproteins.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts. Now for our vegan business news roundup. What's believed to be the world's first vegan lifestyle TV show is about to debut in the US on A&E's FYI network, which has over 70 million subscribers, reports Veg News. Plant-based by Nafsika will be hosted by marketer and vegan food innovator Nafsika Antipas and include cooking demonstrations, guest interviews with doctors, nutritionists and celebrities, plus fashion and entertainment. According to a press release for the show, viewers will receive a well-rounded perspective of the vegan way of life and see that making a choice to omit animal products from their diet and lifestyle is a positive thing to do, both in terms of personal health and for the sustainability of our planet. Amen to that. (laughs) So this is massive. What's particularly great is that although the word vegan isn't in the title of the show, it's not just focusing on food, but all aspects of vegan living and philosophy – with the potential to reach millions of viewers. 
The Peace Exchange, which establishes fair trade cooperatives to sell artisan handmade goods from across the globe, has again teamed up with ethical boutique Bead and Reel to host the second annual Fair Trade Fashion Show and Fundraiser on Saturday, July the 16th in Los Angeles. The entirely vegan event will consist of a cocktail reception, an interactive panel discussion and Q&A with fair trade and human rights experts, an array of ethical fashions to buy, and a fashion show featuring international models donning dozens of looks from bead and reel stock of designers, as well as limited edition peace exchange pieces created especially for the event. The proceeds from this fundraiser will directly benefit the women of the Peace Exchange sewing centres in the Congo, who work in one of the most dangerous countries in the world. Their stories will be featured throughout the night, making a direct connection from the seamstress to the runway. I love events like this that tell the stories behind the products, and it just goes to show that fashion can be ethical and benefit people, animals and planet. I got an invitation to this event, and if I were in LA, I'd definitely go along and support it. So for those of you who are based there, I recommend going along and checking it out. You can find out more and book tickets at fairtradefashionshow.com. Impossible Foods Vegan Burger has been given the seal of approval by chef David Chang, founder of the renowned Momofoku International Group of Restaurants. Got to be careful pronouncing that or it could be a bit tricky. (laughs) Chang posted on Instagram a picture of the burger, which similar to Beyond Meat's Beyond Burger, which I reported on the previous episode of Vegan Business Talk, bleeds. The Michelin-starred restaurateur wrote alongside the image, Today I tasted the future, and it was vegan. This burger was juicy, bloody, and had real texture like beef, but more delicious and way better for the planet. I can't really comprehend its impact quite yet, but I think it might change the whole game. Wow. So this is what we want. Mainstream chefs to come on board with plant-based eating. So many of them poo-poo vegan food and make fun of it or say it's nothing like real meat. So when you get big players sharing positive feedback like this to their followers, it really helps to shift public perception and help take veganism mainstream. So kudos to David Chang for putting it out there. The Washington Post ran an article recently titled The Next Frontier for Vegan Restaurants, Not Calling Yourself a Vegan Restaurant. The piece featured quotes from the owners of two DC vegan eateries, including Shook, which offers Middle Eastern products, and Sticky Fingers Bakery, which provides an array of delicious cakes, desserts and cheeses. Shook's Ran Nussbacher and Sticky Fingers Doran Peterson both shy away from the word vegan in their branding or marketing. Nussbacher believes the word can be off-putting to some diners and is quoted as saying he prefers to let the products speak for themselves. Peterson's stance is similar. She believes labelling a product or business vegan does it a disservice and instead wants people to focus on the veggie and plant-based aspects of her food. 
So I'm always fascinated by the terms vegan business owners use in their marketing and branding. I ask each of my interviewees their position on the term vegan, and I dedicated a whole chapter to it in my book, Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Every business is different, and there are plenty of arguments for and against. I guess at the end of the day, as Peterson pointed out in the Washington Post article, no matter what the label is, people really are just looking for good food. Finally, the first Cellular Agriculture Conference will be held in San Francisco on the 13th of July. Hosted by New Harvest, the non-profit research institute that promotes innovative technologies that address global food insecurity without the use of animals, the conference will feature the movement's leading companies and researchers who will meet to discuss the latest advancements in this field. Speakers include David Lenteln from Soylent, Sarah Burr from TechCrunch, Alexander Loristani from Gelsen. You may remember I reported on his groundbreaking developments to create animal-free gelatin in a previous episode of Vegan Business Talk, and many more. You can find out the full list of speakers and register for the conference at new-harvest.org. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a review and a rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. I'm Katrina Fox from veganbusinessmedia.com and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. Bye for now. 